Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. Lolly Siesla at Lolly underscore Carney on Instagram is a carnivore coach who specializes in mental health, eating disorders, wellness, workouts, body composition, and is the founder of a heart carnivore community. She's helped countless women with disordered eating through her groups and also hosts her own podcast on the Beyond the Scale True Healing YouTube channel. Welcome to the show, Lolly. Thank you so much for having me and helping me to spread the word that meat can heal everything. Yeah, um, my pleasure. And I've had the pleasure of uh, joining one of your group calls and being on your podcast. Um, we talked. We had a great discussion about sleep. Um, so I'm really excited to go through your story and your background um, on the show today. Okay, so do you want me to tell you where I'm from? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So um, I've been struggling with eating disorder and more precisely with anorexia nervosa for around 30 years. It started when I was a kid. Um, I used to be a dancer and I started at this point. And then I had some trauma in my life and uh, anorexia nervosa became worse and worse. Um, when I, I turned around 20, uh, it was just deeper and deeper and around 30, I became a vegan and it was the end of everything. <laughs> when I was 33 years old, uh, I got a very bad flu and uh, it ended being a pneumonia and I died for a couple of minutes. Then wow. uh, I came back to life and I reintroduced some lean meat because the medical team asked me to. And at this time I was really, really uh, skinny, uh, like almost dying because too skinny. I didn't have any muscle mass anymore. Uh, I was not able to walk. Uh, I was fed by a tube. Uh, It was like just terrible. And so I introduced some meat at 33 years old, but I didn't want, I didn't really want to. And um, uh, I continued my journey with lean meat, no fat, high carbs, lots of vegetables, lots of sweeteners, a lot of eating disorder mind. And in 2021, I, I really wanted to heal. And I look for ketogenic diet to heal mental health, but it was all about tracking macros and I've been tracking calories for years and decades. So I didn't want to, to track macros and I heard about carnivore and I wanted to, do, to to give a try to carnivore, but I was not really ready about this. I was so scared of the fat. So I tried eating carnivore, but with like rabbit starvation for three months only protein and low fat, and I was not feeling good at all. And in July 2021, I just gave a try to carnivore. I was really scared, but I just deeply jumped into the very high-fat carnivore diet. And from there, I never stepped back 
and I'm feeling so great. I gained a lot of weight. I healed so much about my mental health. And so I'm so grateful that I found Carnival. That's wonderful. And um, I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That sounds incredibly tough. Um, and I guess, um, how did you first find out about carnivore? Uh, so I was looking at the ketogenic diet and then I found uh, the website of Amber O'Hearn. Uh, like it's called Mostly Fat. And she was saying that she healed depression and anxiety with high fat carnivore. And so I read about her and reading her about her on her website, I went through Rivero, which was at this time Metarix. And I I was looking for more podcasts and I found one podcast called Carnivore Cast. <laughs> and I listened to many, many, many podcasts. And when I started in July, I can remember because it was the July 23rd. And I had some row to do with my son. And we were listening to your podcast during six hours in a row. And it wow. was, yeah, first day of carnival. I'm sorry you had to go through that as well. <laughs> no, but thank you for listening. Really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad it's it's helped you in, in some way. Um, and uh, can you talk about um, like coming from a vegan mindset to carnivore? How did that change your relationship with food? Uh, okay, I have to to say it, and uh, I was a vegan mostly because of my eating disorder, and being a vegan was a really good reason for me not to eat when I was in society or socializing or stuff like this. Uh, I I became a vegan because when I got my son, he was allergic to dairy. And so I was breastfeeding him and the pediatrician asked me to remove dairy from my diet, not the dairy to go into my milk. And from there, I was li listening and reading about veganism. And I was already really unnourished at this time. And I jumped into veganism because, yeah, oh, it's so good. I want to go out. I cannot eat anything. Uh, I will go only with the lettuce. And I, I was starving myself much more easily being a vegan. And being vegan and eating vegetable, you can eat huge volume of food with no calories, which is really, really good. When you're eating a high-fat carnivore diet, uh, you're eating a very small amount of food with a very high amount of calories. So all the mindset is totally different. And eating the fat was such a, a, a great stuff for me, for my brain and everything. But yeah, being a vegan and being carnivore are two opposite sides. So yeah, I was when you you say I'm vegan and you don't want to eat because your eating disorder is killing you, it's yeah, it's really easy. And um, I never use carnivore as a reason not to eat in society. I can always find carnivore food when I'm socializing. You always have a meat. You can always bring some cheese. You can always bring some cured meat. And you can always find every, everywhere you can find butter. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. I hadn't thought of that um, using veganism as a reason to not eat publicly, but it makes a lot of sense. And do you find in your disordered eating groups, first, can you talk a little bit about that work you do 
how you help women. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Um, so I started Heart Carnivore to help people healing from he eating disorder. Um, a lot of people uh, join and have some talk and uh, it, it's like uh, mostly women. Uh, most of them are with a background of uh, anorexia nervosa or binge eating disorder. Some are from bulimia. Uh, it doesn't matter from which child you are from, the problem is the same. When you're struggling with food, you're struggling with food. And the aim of the group is to find food freedom. And so being able to eat without restricting, without overeating and everything. Uh, currently, uh, all the members of Heart Carnivore became my friend. And so I decided that, that I didn't want to keep having the paid group, uh, but everyone with eating disorder can reach out to me and I'm really happy to help. But at, at the moment, I don't want any paying community because I just want to help people. That's, that's amazing. And um, that's great work you're doing. And can you talk about, do a lot of the folks in that group come from uh, vegan background as well? Do you notice like a correlation between disordered eating and veganism? Not really. Okay. Uh, I can see that uh, all the people that <laughs> has been vegan and that are in the group uh, had an eating disorder. So it's totally linked for, for those. I don't say that veganism is an eating disorder, but I say that many people use veganism at as an excuse. Yeah. Uh, I can see that when you're vegan, you're really highly fed with carbs and it's not helping with eating disorder. Removing the carbs is helping a lot with mental health. And so, yeah, it's what I can see in the group. Um, I have as well a binge eater mm -hmm. Uh, people and it's the same. They are binge eating. They were binge eating because eating so much carbs, so many grains. <laughs> because yeah, the, most of people are thinking about carbs, about uh, junk food, but no, it's as well like uh, grains, pasta, stuff like this. So yeah, they are from everywhere. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I I mean, I suppose any diet could be used with an eating disorder, um, in theory, as an excuse not to eat. Um, and, and you mentioned, uh, like, getting rid of the carbs really helps with the mental side of eating disorders. Can you talk about that? Yeah, getting out of the carbs is really hel helping. And, you know, for me, a lot of people say to me that, oh, you could gain even more weight uh, having some carbs back on into your diet and you should not be out of a, a range of food. Maybe it's another side of the eating disorder, but being carnivore, I never restrict. And my eating disorder was all about restriction. And this summer I was in Spain with my son and he was enjoying so much the watermelon. And I was like looking at the watermelon and feeling like, oh, I would love to share some watermelon with my son. And then, you know, my sick brain went up straight 
And I was thinking, okay, you're gonna eat some watermelon, so you have carbs inside. If you are, if you are having carbs, you cannot have the fat at the same time because mixing carbs and fat, it's like a standard American diet. It's not good for your liver. So you want the watermelon? Don't eat the butter. So eat 50 calories of watermelon and remove 1,500 calories from your diet. Come on, no way. Yeah. Each time I'm thinking about carbs, it's all about going back to restriction. So no carbs, no restriction, no eating disorder, food freedom. That's great. And do you think um, you had mentioned in our, in our messages about um, why similarly you think being strict is really important and not introducing vegetables as well. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, in the past, I, uh, okay. I, I ate all the vegetables I should have eaten in my entire life in 20 years. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't need them anymore. But I really use the vegetables to feel full and to feel satiated and to just have the feeling of being full because I was not eating enough at all. Yeah, like bloating your stomach. Yeah, bloating my stomach, exactly. And so I don't want the vegetables to be back on my diet because... I don't know if I can moderate and I have a lot of eating still to do. And so I need the more nutrient food and the vegetable will take the place of the meat. And there is no way I can do this. And I'm, for most of the thing, I'm not a moderator. Uh, I've tried before switching to carnivore at one point, uh, I was eating tons and tons of sweeteners. Uh, <laughs> And I say to myself, okay, you're going to get out of sweeteners because too many chemicals and everything. And I went out of sweeteners for a while. And then little by little, I reintroduced, oh yeah, little bits, one in a coffee, uh, or one glass of Diet Coke. And after a couple of weeks, I was back to drink six liters of Diet Coke, having 60, 70 uh, sugar-free gums in a day, yeah, something crazy. So yeah, everything out of carnivore. I'm almost sure I cannot moderate. So I don't want to take the risk of being sick again. Interesting. And and that makes a lot of sense. I think um, that I'm, I'm glad that's working really well for you. Um, and uh, you recently turned uh, 39. So happy birthday. Um, I saw on your YouTube channel. Um, what are some of the things that um, you're thinking about like as you get older and um, feeding yourself and feeding your family. Um, how do you think about that, like going forward and for the long term? Uh, you know, I almost never turned 34. So now 39, I'm so glad I'm 39. And I would be so glad I will turn 40 next year. You know, when you were that close to death, you're so happy each time you're, you're aging. And I was, when I was 33, you know, and I was dying. All my relatives were telling me all the time, 33, the age where Chris died. Huh, great. <laughs> and I was almost sure that I would never reach 40. But now being carnivore, I'm almost sure I will reach 100. And I always say to my son that he will have to deal with me for a long time now. So I'm feeling so good. Uh, I'm really sure, okay, I can have a car accident tomorrow. Everybody can have, but I'm I'm really thinking that I will last for long. And you know, I reverse so many issues. Um, uh, 
I was in a wheelchair. I was stupid. At one point, I was blind for months because I didn't have enough fat on my optical nerve. So I couldn't see anymore. So yeah, I was dying at 33 and I'm so healthy at 39. And I think that when I would be 45, I would be even healthier because I would have been for longer in carnivore and carnivore is helping me with everything. I used to have more than 60 pills a day. I don't have any pills anymore in my diet. So I'm so glad about this. Um, I'm doing a lot to, to be uh, the healthiest as possible. I'm trying to move enough every single day. Uh, but in the past with the eating disorder, the cardio was a big issue. So I'm trying to do only resistance training. I'm trying to to have more strength, to increase my muscle mass, to increase my bone density. Um, yeah, I'm eating the best food ever, even if I don't believe on the perfect carnivore diet. The carnivore diet is the one you can sustain. And my carnivore diet is mainly ground beef and dehydrated bacon, bacon at the moment with some tallow for the fat. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking that I have a tons of beautiful ears in front of me. And I will share this with my son and my family. I'm hoping my son will be at one point really a perfect carnivore, but at the moment he's meat-based. Yeah, that's great. I think it's very lucky to have you um, and have you as an example. And and um, have you, what have you done to try to change your diet? Um, like have you played around with carnivore at all, having more fat, having more protein, ha- mixing in organs, things like that? And what, what have you found to work and not work for you? So at the beginning of my journey, I was honestly uh, craving for fat. And because, you know, in 20 years, I ate one stick of butter maximum. So when I reintroduced the fat, my body was craving for fat and I was eating a lot, a lot, a lot of butter. So the first months, some days I was I was eating six to eight sticks of butter a day. So it was like very high fat. And um, when I get fed more fed, I didn't need that much fat, but I I stayed really high fat. Um, then I I can say that I'm eating high fat, but high protein as well because I'm I need both. Um, and I've been trying the 80-20. I was already eating 80-20 like instinctively, but I try to do it like people were doing it. Uh, I feel good, but because I feel good in a high fat diet, I try, um, to do like, um, some lean day. Uh, I cannot really handle the lean days. I can have high protein days, but it has to have enough fat with so this is something, it's mandatory for me. And lately I've been trying the fat fast, the fat, fat fasting, and I felt really good doing the fat fast, but I don't have to extend more than 24 hours because I'm not able to eat only fat, enough fat only, uh, longer than 24 hours. One time I tried it because I was feeling really good. I tried to do two days. And the first day I was eating like 2,500 calories from fat, maybe 3,000. And the second day I went down to 1,500 calories because I was not hungry for more fat. And I 
I cannot live with 1,500 calories. It has been in the past, but it cannot be now. So uh, what I'm trying to do is to do one day or fat fast a week, just to experiment for a couple of months uh, with a minimum of 2,500 calories from fat. And then the following days, I'm increasing a lot of my protein because I'm not feeling very great when I am in a very high therapeutic level of ketosis. I reach some crazy amount of ketosis, like blood ketones around seven and blood glucose around 48. So I don't feel good at this. The best I'm feeling is when my blood ketones are between one and three and my blood glucose between 70 and 80. Yeah, 48 is very low blood glucose. Yeah, and seven for ketones. For me, it's like you have an excess of energy in your body and you don't need to have seven for ketones. Yeah, yeah, that's um, past therapeutic ketosis. <laughs> yeah, and when I started doing this experiment with the fat past and the uh, and the normal days, I was checking the ketones and, and the blood glucose. Okay, I, I, I checked for two months and it's not really funny anymore. So I don't want to check. I don't want to spend my my time having my my blood checked on the morning. I don't. I don't want. I, I prefer to keep it easy and to to listen to my body because my body is telling me what it wants. You know, it's like for the organs. You asked me about the organs, and at the beginning of yeah. my journey, I was really craving for liver, and I was so. Some weeks I was eating pounds of liver and it was really, really appealing. And from one day to another, I didn't want liver anymore. I think I had enough vitamin A and my body didn't want anymore. And now, like, I would say once a month or something like this, I crave liver and I just buy some liver and I have like half pound and then I don't crave it anymore. I'm French. I'm loving all, all the organs. And yeah, sometimes I... At the moment, I'm really like once a week, I'm craving timers. I love it. So I'm going with it. And for the fat, it's the same. You know, I was I was leading with butter for a long time, like more than one year. And now I'm not really craving for, for butter anymore. I'm craving for tallow. I'm, I'm craving for bone marrow. So I'm going with this. I'm just listening to what my body is asking. Yeah, I, I can tell you've really improved your mentality and your relationship with food and giving your body what it needs. It's really remarkable. Um, and I, I experienced the exact same thing with liver. I'll, I'll have it. I'll, it'll taste so good. And then for some reason, all of a sudden, I just it won't appeal to me at all. Like the thought of eating it, I'm like, I don't want to eat that. And uh, I think it is your body signaling that you have enough vitamin A um, yeah. or, or maybe certain B vitamins as well. Um, and how about dairy? Have, have you, um, included dairy in your diet, taken it out? How do you feel about that? Okay. I'm using dairy most of the time to socialize. I'm in France and when eating out, it's so easy to have cheese. Um, I, I will say, uh, I don't feel the best eating cheese. Sometimes I feel bloated eating, eating cheese, but I still keep in mind, you know, uh, a part of the eating disorder might be speaking instead of me about dairy, you know? So I don't really know if it's really that I feel bloated having dairy or not. 
or if it's my mind still saying that, oh, dairy might, might not be the perfect diet, you know, because uh, eating disorder is all about perfection. And <laughs> wanting to have the perfect carnivore diet is eating organs, not eating dairy, eating mostly ruminants. So I'm careful about this body signal. And, yeah. you know, when, when your head is like struggling a little bit with some food, sometimes you cannot digest the food because you have been struggling before eating it. And it's not because the food is making you sick or bloody. So I, I'm careful about what I'm saying about dairy and about my reaction. But yeah, when I'm going out, I'm having cheese. Uh, sometimes, like a lot of times a month, uh, I'm, I want to have some cheese and because I'm going every Sunday to my open market, I can have raw cheese and yeah, sometimes it's appealing and I'm buying a little bit, but most of the time I don't have dairy at home. Uh, my son is having full fat milk, raw food fat milk. So yeah, he's having, I'm not having. Um, I had some heavy cream during summer because I wanted some stuff who looks like ice cream, but I had it like two days, but no more. And so I'm not doing a lot of dairy, but I, I could do. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And if if it makes you feel any better, a way to think about it could be like, oh, I'm getting a lot of great vitamin K. Um, yeah. I'm eating dairy um, occasionally in social, or you know, it, it's helping me get some fermented foods in my diet or something like that. Some butyrate or stuff like this. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think there there are definitely reasons why it could be beneficial to have it on occasion. Um, but that's really cool. And um, the women in your disordered eating group, do they also, um, do you find that most of them do better keeping to a very strict carnivore diet or do some of them reintroduce some other foods as well on top of it? I'm not dogmatic at all. And I, most of the time I already say to my, my member that they can try and see how they react and they have to experiment on their own. Some of them can deal with uh, the sweet taste and the sweetness, for example, I cannot. Uh, some of them can deal with some onions, some vegetables, a little bit, a little bit of lettuce and, uh, I don't mind. Uh, I won't say they are not carnivore because they are introducing some some stuff. Uh, I don't want any dogma. As long as they feel good, it's the best. And as long as they have this good relationship with food, not tracking with the 80-20, the high fat stuff, um, a lot of my members uh, went back to disorder eating, a kind of disorder eating, like tracking the macros and they came from being scared of overeating, of being scared of eating uh, too much protein. And so they were restricting the protein and increasing the fat and not feeling really good after a while and really being scared because people were saying that if you increase too much your protein, you're going to increase your blood glucose. And so they, they became totally scared of not about the calories anymore, but about the protein. And a balanced diet is, is a diet which has protein and fat. You cannot do one without the other one. Yes. If you just fat, you have energy, but you don't have the nutrients. So you need the protein to bring the nutrients. And so you need both. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. And what other practices have you found helpful um, in in rounding out your and improving your quality of life, um, whether it pertains to um, your mentality around food or just in general your well being? Um, what other things do you like to incorporate um, to help you feel better? Um, so uh, the sleep, as we spoke before, is so important. And uh, I'm going to sleep every single day at the same time. And I'm waking up every single day at the same time, even on weekend, weekdays, when I'm walking, not walking, it doesn't matter. I'm trying to have already a good rhythm. Uh, this is really important. Uh, during summertime, I was doing the grounding stuff. Uh, and I tried to do some biohack. Bio and then I, I became a bit obsessed about it, you know. And, and so I was like every single morning, waking up, looking at the sun, grounding in my garden, doing my yoga, going to the office, going back home, doing my yoga again, looking at the sunshine. And then I realized that I didn't have any life anymore. So I want the life to be enjoyable. <laughs> and so I want to have some stupid stuff in my day. So sometimes I want to watch TV, even if it's evening time and it's could be better to not to have blue light. I don't mind. I want to have a, a very balanced life. I could improve my health even much better if I was doing all the value hack uh, possible. But okay, I'm working 10 hours a day in the office. Um, I have to take care of a dog, of a, a boy, one week over two. Uh, I need some relaxing time. So yeah, most of the time what I'm doing is I'm doing enough exercising, weightlifting in a week. I'm doing like uh, body challenges. Currently, I'm doing the squat samba. So I'm doing minimum 50 squats a day during all Oh, wow. Uh, it's nothing, you know, 50 squats, it takes five minutes. But at least it's some movement. Um, so movement is important. If I if I say the three things that are the most important for, for me to be healthy is having a good diet eating carnivore only, sleeping well, and moving a little bit. That's the main thing. If I can add something, it will be a bit of grounding during summertime. And when it's really cloudy, 10 minutes of red light therapy. That's great. I, I think those are all really excellent habits. And um, I, I like how you mentioned getting too um, obsessive with the biohacking. I think a lot of people can fall into that, but it's good that you had the awareness to pull back from it. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, you always have to to have some fun. Yeah. And working totally. and doing all this is not fun. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a chore at, at some points. And yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there too. Um, cool. Well, great, Lolly. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's awesome talking to you. Um, I learned so much from you. I have so much respect for what you're doing with your group. Um, and really appreciate you coming on. Um, thank you so much for having me and keep doing your podcast and I'm listening to you every single week. Oh, the only you. one I want to listen is mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely be re-listening re to it, but um, tell folks where they can find you. I know you have Instagram and the YouTube channel. Is there anywhere else you want to direct people to? And I'll have links. Mostly, uh, if you're struggling with eating disorder and you're not at the good point and you just want to have support and you want to have someone listening and I will do it for free. Just reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, 
at Lolicarni. Uh, maybe Scott will put my link. And yeah, you can look at my videos. I'm doing a series of videos on YouTube on Beyond the Scale Through Healing about anorexia nervosa. And I will start maybe later on a small community because a lot of people with anorexia nervosa or relative to people having anorexia nervosa reach out to me about the topic because it's not well known. So don't hesitate. Just send me a text, comment on one of my videos. I will be pleased to reply. And I just want to help. It will be for free. <laughs> yeah, just reach out to me if you need. Yeah, that's incredibly generous of you. And, and I really hope some folks do take advantage and, and get help um, who are listening. And I, I want as well people to know that when someone in your surrounding is having this kind of eating disorder, uh, it's really difficult to, uh, to convince them to heal. And so you cannot force someone who doesn't want to heal, to heal. I've been there and I, I could start healing the day I decided I wanted to. And so uh, the medical team is really important. I'm still going to visit my psychiatrist every single month or sometimes twice a month. And medical support is really important. Carnivore helped me 99%, sure. But the medical advice are really, really important. And yeah, the physio physiological advice as well. I'm still going to the endocrinologist. And so you, you need to keep being followed by a medical team. Yeah, that's great. That, that's excellent advice. Um, well, thank you, Lolly. Really appreciate the time today. Thanks um, so much, Scott. Talk to you again soon. Bye. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out and share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at carnivorecast or go to carnivorecast.com. You can also email me at info at carnivorecast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.